welcome to the Modern Maker podcast for Thursday, May 17th, 2018, otherwise known as Pack Rat Day, which last week was, what was it, clean up your room or we made it clean up your garage day, but do you guys consider yourself pack rats? You know, I'm messy, but I'm not a hoarder. Like You're I, not, you, I, you'll get rid of stuff, huh? I'll get rid of stuff. I just don't want to always put it away beforehand. There you go. That's a good point. But you know what is a real pack rat situation is these two ugly full-size rodent squirrels that are trying to push out the Garys at the oh, house. Oh, yes. You're trying to bully them? Yeah, these are like the pirates of the squirrel world. <laughs> the squirrel. Yeah, take it away, Ben. Tell them about these suckers. Okay, so anyone that's been following our Instagram over the last few months will notice that uh, we've been entertaining and making friends with these little chipmunk-looking creatures. And I say chipmunk-looking because they're not actually chipmunks. They're actually a type of ground squirrel that is the size of a chipmunk. So uh, we originally named the first one Gary, and then we realized there was more than one. And so we just started referring them to them as Gary's. So all has been great. Uh, Jesse did most of the, the squirrel feeding and taming and trick teaching. But Jesse uh, stayed a little bit longer in Europe for Maker Central. And Mike and I would just kind of throw food at them and feed them whenever we were kind of hanging out outside. So, we're doing our best. And in that time, these very fat, normal, not nearly as cute, larger, typical gray-looking ground squirrels moved into the neighborhood and realized that, hey, this is a good place to get little pieces of bread. And they've pushed out uh, the little Garys out of the prized uh, home location, which is under the backyard deck. So uh, we're trying to figure out how to help our little friends reestablish dominance, you know, in the prime location where we hang out since we like them. Uh, <laughs> they are tidy. They're not annoying. They're very respectful uh, when the way they ask for food. Uh, not entitled at all. So uh, our, our challenge now is to figure out how we can humanely trap and relocate these intruding large ground squirrels. Mm. Yeah, so I think, that's, yeah, I think that's going to be a, an episode for the podcast YouTube channel, is us trying to <laughs> capture these squirrels and, and then send them on their way. They're so ugly. They, they just look like if you mixed a squirrel and like, the ugliest possum you can think of together. Yeah, they're like they a possum like, with a cute tail. Yeah, and they got greasy hair. They're, it's like all matte. It's just gross. And, and one it, of them only has one eye, too. Well, that's why you, <laughs> that's why you call them a pirate. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, if anybody's got some uh, live trapping experience, hit us up in the DMs because uh, we're about to undertake this grand adventure. Yeah, yes. I was, I was going to rewatch the original Predator movie, and I felt like there were some good trap ideas in there. <laughs> maybe, maybe not so humane for the live trapping. Yeah, not quite. Step one, be invisible. Yeah. <laughs> Step <it>. two. <laughs> and you're getting, it's, it's all easy, easy road from there. Yeah, exactly. All right, so it's time, it's time for the Rockler Plywood Challenge segment. That's right. Where we highlight our favorite projects of the week. So, Chris, since me yes. and Ben have been talking about squirrels for the past five minutes, mm-hmm. what was your favorite project this week? I've got two to pick, actually. One of them was posted a while ago, and I don't know how I had missed it, but it comes from the Instagram handle Snowheart Design, and it's a kind of modern slat shoe bench design. Um, it, it would be like a uh, 
like a Nelson bench on steroids kind of. So it's just slats going everywhere to like make all the cubbies. And it's just like a really nice, useful, but good looking piece of furniture. The way that he kind of rounded over um, the edges, the treatment that he put on the edges of the plywood elevated it a lot, I thought, design-wise. So go check that out. It's a really nice project. And then the other one, which is equally nice that I'd like to give a shout out to is Sean Boyd made this, who we've talked about a little bit before. And he put up a, he just put his video up like two, probably, well, now when you're listening to this three days ago, I guess. Um, And yeah, it's a really great rocking chair project. Uh, So definitely go check that one out too. So my, mine for the week is it's actually, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different lane than what I have been picking. And it's the Martini Project by, uh, the Instagram handle is Bean, B-E-E-N, Bean Eh Builds. We'll just put a link to it. Um, and I picked this one because I, I had been sort of focusing a lot on the, on the people that were really breaking the plywood down and doing interesting sort of textures and really using the end grain. And what I like about this one is that it uses plywood the way plywood was originally intended to be used mm-hmm. uh, as a quick, uh, efficient, dimensionally stable way to make things out of sheets, right? So it's just a very simple project, but it has a, a totally unique aesthetic. And it's, I think it just exemplifies how, if you have like a little odd space in your house or apartment that needs a peculiar piece of furniture, and you can almost make anything out of a, out of one sheet of plywood that could fit there. There's there's so many options with just circular saw, basic tools where you could just whip something up that fits that space perfectly. And that's exactly what he did. So um, it reminds me of like one of Chris's sort of one legged projects because it's a one legged one. And I like <laughs> that he came up with a clever name that uh, you know immediately uh, uh, sort of nails the the general sort of aesthetic of the project. Yeah, I love it anytime someone is able to make a drawer without any hardware. And so the shape of the case on this one, since it is triangular, the drawer can just nest in the case and it just slides fine and and works perfectly without any hardware. And that's really cool. Um, Have you guys been seeing a lot of people lately are integrating the drawers into the case of the project itself? So the drawer like has maybe a strip of wood on the sides and then the case... Mm -hmm there's like a cutaway matching that same piece on the side of the drawer and everything can slide independently with no hardware. I think that's super cool too. Yeah. I just like uh, anytime anyone can avoid hardware is good. So my pick this week is it happens to be my cousin. And so take that for what it is. It will not. Uh, Nepotism. Right. I, <laughs> it's not going to change how I judge anything, um, but I definitely got to shout him out. Uh, my cousin, Matt, who built a bed completely out of one sheet of plywood with a headboard. And it's a queen size bed at that. Damn, um, so stretching the material. No joke. So it looks really, really cool. Um, outside of being a one sheet challenge, I think it's really smart. And he did some uh, really neat things to stretch the material. So the slats going horizontal instead of them spanning the entire width of the bed. Every other one is about a foot longer. And so because they're spaced out the way they are, the mattress still has plenty of a platform to set on, but he's able to save about a foot of material with each slat. So it was really smart, good uh, good engineering. So shout out Matt. His, uh, uh, his handle is Oki, like Oklahoma, O-K-I-E, underscore woodworker. And all of these projects are going to be posted in our wrap-up post on the Modern Maker Podcast Instagram. That's at Modern Maker Podcast. So you still got a couple weeks left. 
If you want to build something for the challenge, all you have to do is build something out of one sheet of plywood. You can add a little something here or there. If you need drawer slides, you can do that. If you need a little bit of paint or concrete here or there, you can do that as well. And then all you have to do to enter is hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge on Instagram with your post. Um, and we are constantly checking those, seeing what people are building, and we will log it down. So there you go. You still got time. Build something cool, guys. Heck yeah. So what are you guys uh, What are you guys working on? I know you were in the YouTube Space LA recently. Yeah, let's talk about that for a couple minutes. Yeah, so yester- or the day before yesterday uh, that we were recording this, Ben and I got a tour of LA's YouTube space, which is super nice. I was really impressed. It was also just generally bigger and had more equipment than what I expected it to have. So we get in and we're kind of shown the tour of all the kind of communal space, the event space. But then they walked us into all of the individual sound stages. And I think they had six in the in the LA space. And different things are broken up by different tiers. So if you have um, there's kind of gold, silver, bronze, and a couple other kind of tiers of subscribers. So if you have a million subscribers, which unfortunately none of us have yet, um, you kind of have access to everything whenever you want it, basically any day of the month. Um, and then as you as different tiers go, you have like kind of less access to different things and less often. But regardless, they've got a few really big sound stages that are, I don't know, I guess I would just say bigger than anything we would really need. But what really was interesting to Ben and I was this hallway that had three different sound stages that were all probably 100 square feet right around there a piece. Everything is pre-lit. You can, rent, you can rent cameras. You can rent any kind of sliders, dollies that you want. So basically, you just show up with just you if that's all you need. You don't even have to bring any recording equipment. Just your memory cards. And just the memory cards, Exactly. So one of these rooms is a green screen room, and then the others are kind of white, seamless rooms. And so me and Ben uh, and Chris are workshopping different ideas for basically shows for the podcast YouTube channel. Um, maybe some sort of like brainstorming show, some sh- sort of Pinterest highlight wrap-up show. Um, basically things that we can go to the YouTube space and kind of, for lack of a better term, sort of batch out episodes. Something that... You know, if we're recording three episodes in a day, the chronology the chronology of that isn't so important. They're kind of more standalone episodes that we could get longer form content out and do it really efficiently, but still maintain a really really high production quality because of all the facilities that the YouTube space has. Um, not to mention, they also have a killer recording studio and podcasting space. So I think whenever we're able to set aside time to record episodes of whatever shows we develop um, at the YouTube space, we can also bring in guests and do podcast episodes where we can film those and kind of format them sort of like Joe Rogan does or whatever, where he's able to simulcast, simulcast, you know, on the podcast app, but also for the people that want to sit down and watch everything that's happening. They can watch the full version on YouTube and it can kind of live there forever as well. So tons of options. What did you think, Ben? What was your kind of takeaway from going there? Um, I was sort of aware that it had like nice sound stages and and spaces for filming and stuff like that. I didn't realize the level of equipment that they had available, and you actually don't have to rent it. It's it's free, from what I understand. Um, right. Yeah. You just have to reserve it. Right. Yeah. I, and, I guess I said rent, but yeah, it's just kind of reserving. 
And what? Uh, and they also offer training for some of the equipment. So the equipment that I thought was particularly interesting was they have red cameras, um, mm-hmm. which I've never used, but they offer like a training program uh, for those cameras, and they have a whole bunch of those cameras you can check out. They and then they also have pretty much every high-end DSLR that you could pick and choose from. And what I'm excited about is I'm always interested in sort of upgrading uh, camera equipment, but I can go there and I can test out like, oh, I want to try a Mach 4 versus, you know, a uh, Sony versus these all these different brands. And they're all sort of side by side. So you could, you could set them up, film the same project with like three different cameras and actually compare your footage, which, I mean, that, that would be a great way to sort of field test uh, these things. So yeah. I'm interested in that. Uh, I still, my, my tendency is to still think that the, most, the best place to shoot is the most convenient place. Um, yeah, right. But I do think for like studio style shows, which is something we as sort of a podcast group want to experiment in the future with, that's really awesome. And the other thing that I think that most importantly, before all of you guys go, oh, that's sweet, you know, you guys with uh, big subscriber counts get access to this thing. Uh, they let us host events there where we, where we can uh, make them open to the public. So I think we're tentatively thinking about planning uh, some sort of party for our 100th episode, uh, which is yeah. coming up in about 10 weeks uh, at the space here in L.A. because it would be perfect for that. Yeah, so I didn't know Ben was about to say that. We we're gonna. Me and Chris talked about bringing it up next week, but that just means we're going to have to get this webpage up a little sooner. Um, so basically the way this goes is... Uh, it, I think it's if you have over half a million subscribers or whatever, you're able to reserve this space for events, um, which we were unaware of before we went there. And so we're really excited about, you know, talking to the people at the YouTube space, seeing if it's, if it's something that they can they can host and facilitate and kind of manage. And uh, if that's the case, we want it to be a totally free event. We want people to come out, meet everybody, get to see the YouTube space as well, uh, because I know that a lot of listeners are also kind of in the content game. So we're going to set up a website, or we're going to set up a page on our website. It'll be modernmakerpodcast.com forward slash 100. And all that is, is is a contact form that you fill out with your name, uh, your email, and just a little bit of info so that if we are able to throw this 100 event and everything goes smoothly, then the people that listen and reserve their tickets are going to be able to have their spot reserved, for lack of better terms. Um, yeah. So once again, that's just modernmakerpodcast.com slash 100. So if you're interested in coming, and I mean like actually able to come, not I would like to come, but right. if it's something that you're in the space or you're willing to travel for, um, because remember, there is going to be a cap of how many people that can show up. So if people are reserving spots and don't show up, that's just somebody that didn't get to come for no reason. So reserve a spot if you can legitimately come. Um, and if you don't, you can always back out and let us know. But com slash 100. Sorry, I beat that into the ground. So, And actually, let's, uh, <laughs> let's say because we need to talk to them first to make sure when we can get it. So what we'll do is the website will not be up when you're hearing this. It'll come up in the next like week or so. But this is more just so that you kind of know it's something that we're trying to plan out. We will get in touch with them. We'll figure out when there's availability and when it would coordinate with, you know, around when our 100th episode is going to be. And then once we get all that information, we'll talk about it again here when it's up. And we'll, then we'll get the website up and, and start taking RSVPs and everything. So what we should do instead is make a Modern Maker Podcast Instagram post. And then for the people that will show up, comment, like. That way when we take it to the YouTube space, we can show like all these people want to come. 
host our event. Uh, yeah, we'll have to sort of be flexible to do it because there's, uh, you know, it was funny when me and Mike were there, we were looking at like, you can kind of see who's reserved the spaces, like, because they put yeah. like little calendars on the different rooms and stages. So the next following day that we were there, like Jake Paul had like reserved like all the, all the spaces yeah. <laughs> or like the, there's this fitness uh, pair of brothers that do a lot of workout videos called the Buff Dudes. So it's funny, I was like walking around, I was seeing like all these, uh, all these kind of recognizable YouTube uh, acts sort of uh, checking out the space. So that was sort of funny. And then I actually stuck around uh, for an extra day and went to a workshop that was hosted by YouTube on, uh, it was, I guess it was just loosely titled something about creativity and sort of reviving your channel and stuff like that. And I was there with probably about like 20 other uh, content creators, anywhere from like the sort of, you know, they range from sort of 100,000 to a million subscribers. And uh, it was sort of a workshop going over different ideas, formatting options, and different stuff like that on sort of creative ways to uh, improve your channel and make more interesting content. So it was a very video-focused early part of the week. Um, but for now, uh, what, what I'm really interested in, I've been thinking about doing a lot of uh, metal projects. And after I did those, the, the table with the steel legs, I've been thinking, you know, I got a, some people really liked the way they looked, but I got the whole, that's great if you, you know, if you have a welder. So I was thinking about trying to do a series of projects that's sort of like an introduction to metalworking that don't involve welding, similar to what, uh, what Mike did. But so I've scripted out about but sort four. of a different approach though right is instead yeah. of it being finding alternatives for welding or fastening pieces together it's using more like unique pieces of metal in unique right. ways right so yours were sort of like i would say more like metal accents to woodworking projects um these are going to be more sort of metal centric uh projects where metals making up the majority of the material being used um so uh i'm going to go i've been pricing out plate steel because uh, that's something I haven't really worked with. And the, the one takeaway I did get from that oak table project was how relatively easy it is to cut straight lines with an angle grinder. And to yeah. me, that really opened up my, uh, my mind because an angle grinder is a tool that you can get for under 50 bucks. If you can both round over edges and cut straight with it, it's basically, in, with plate steel, doing what a orbital sander and a circular saw would do for less money uh, than a circular saw. So I was trying to think of, hmm. So I saw that sort of opportunity of how versatile an inexpensive tool could be with a material that is often associated with more advanced making. And that's sort of making me think, well, maybe I've been thinking about metal too much in terms of extrusions. I've always sort of thought primarily of metal as a material that comes in bars or flat stock or angles or tubes and stuff like that but i haven't really thought so much of it like like a sheet good so mm -hmm. i priced out some eighth inch which i guess is 11 gauge uh you know steel and a four foot by eight foot sheet one eighth of an inch thick at the place i was looking at was about 110 dollars so uh i've been thinking about how many many uh, projects I can get out of that. And they only are charging me like a dollar or two to, to, for each cut that I have done to that sheet because obviously that would be heavy and hard to move by itself. Um, so, and I got to fit it into a, a car. So um, 
that's sort of what I've been doing, sort of researching, doing a lot of sketching and uh, designing. That's awesome. So what's the, what's the first project you have in mind? Um, they're all dependent on my ability to, to create an easy way to bend it, right, in straight oh, lines. Okay. So I'll probably start with just some basic experimentation on sort of trying to bend it cold versus maybe applying a little bit of heat or versus sort of like scoring the metal with a, an angle grinder to sort of create a, a, an easier way to fold it. So if you have any experience folding uh, eighth inch thick steel without a professional break or anything like that, uh, or have seen any good videos on YouTube about sort of making some things, I think uh, either Bob or Jimmy had, had produced something along those lines, hit me up because um, I'm in, still in sort of research mode. I did publish, I think, a video since the last time we talked. I published a 3D printed concrete fire pit, um, mm -hmm. which is yeah. which is being uh, uh, well received. Although, I don't know, some of these assholes out here just are are really hung up on the fact that it's you didn't 3D print the concrete. Um, I'm like, yeah, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, it's not like I was like trying to like you know do some CGI to make it look like I did. Uh, I called it a 3D printed fire pit. 3D printing was the catalyst for the making, and it is yeah. a fire pit. So, you know, uh, suck it, basically, is, was my <laughs> go-to response. But, yeah, that was I, – I just actually approved a bunch of comments. Clickbait. So that's, that's why I'm a little bit – yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that accusation of clickbait, I'm like, I don't think you understand what bait is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I, next time I guess what they want is a full paragraph description for a title. Right. Just like text throughout the whole right. thumbnail. Just three, like a paragraph 3D text. printed plastic pieces that were then used to make a silicone mold, which were then had concrete cast into them, thus forming a fire pit. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that will be my next title. Yeah, yeah was that so hard? <laughs> ben, to kind of go back a second to the metal that you were talking about, um, I'm just interested to know, have you already come up with ideas for how you're going to join the pieces together? Like what kind of things were you thinking about for that? Uh, I'm going to use like wood for a lot of the support. So I like the idea that you, uh, you can fold or bend the metal. Mm -hmm. And then uh, let's say you wanted to hold it so it wouldn't bend back. You might use uh, pieces of wood in sort of tension and drilling okay. holes through it. Um, so you can either do bolted connections metal to metal. Um, or just sort of uh, using wood to sort of create. So let's say I wanted to make a simple bench that was just, you know, one 12-inch wide piece of uh, steel mm -hmm. um, to make like a two or three foot long bench with just the, the legs are just the folded down pieces of steel. Okay. I might use some hardwood stringers uh, somewhere near the bottom of that to both create like a, a shelf for shoes and then to also keep the two legs from, you know, just flopping apart. Yeah. So gotcha. th yeah. things like that. So drilling, a, you know, drilling reasonably sized holes through steel is very doable. Cutting mm -hmm. with an angle iron is very, or with an angle grinder is very doable. Um, rounding over the edges is nice. And the nice thing about metal is, you know, you got to clean it and, you know, wax it or, or seal it. But you don't really need to do a lot of sanding to the surfaces. Mm -hmm. Right. Nice. I'm and sanding is those. the worst part of woodworking, so. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Chris, what have you been up to? See, I put, you put out, out your failure, failure, failure yeah, video, which has been by far my best video lately, ironically. And I guess that makes sense. I mean, I didn't expect the video to be a failure. It was the project that I failed right. on within the video. Um, but yeah, it was nice to put it out and, and see that it's doing well and that people are liking it, especially 
coming off of the uh, two flops that I had. So <laughs> if you haven't checked that one out, go check it out. I put it out like a day ago, and uh, yeah, it's doing well. I, I can't. I, I unsubscribed to your channel after those uh, two flops. After the last two? <laughs> yeah, you know, I forget. This guy, <laughs> after those planners. <laughs> this guy's washed up. He's a, he's a shell of his former self. Um, but yeah, so now I'm working on editing a video that we talked about last week a little bit, the uh, the shaver stand. So finish that one. Like, you know, I'm just editing it now, but the project itself is done. And now I'm working on this shoe bench design, which is another big one. So it's nice doing that whole small project, big project, small project, big project. I just find as soon as I'm done with a big project, I need one of those like small projects just to like center myself again. And then when I'm working on a small project, I'm always just like itching to do another big project. So I think that's a really nice workflow if I can keep that going of kind of trading them off back and forth. Um, but yeah, the shoe bench is, it's pretty crazy. Like it's, uh, definitely got a lot of angles going on in it. It, A lot of stuff that I kind of didn't account for going into it. So I'm having to improvise some things with the way this, the way that the doors work. Um, not to not get too into it. Basically it's, there's hinged doors that are hinged on the top and the bottom, Uh but there's also an a 45 degree angle on one of the sides. And so in my head, it was like, okay, there's nothing hard about that. But then when I went to make them, I was like, oh, like these doors can't open because material would have to go through itself for them to open. So I've had to clear off a bunch of material in order to make them work, just like kind of bevel things on the backside so that there's no material there, but you can't really tell from the front. So that's all good. Um, but yeah, it's like, even though there's like been a few little compromises, I'm, I'm still pretty happy with the way that it's coming out. And there's going to be a cushion on it, which I'm not going to do this cushion. If it was a more DIY project, I would try to do the cushion myself. But for this one, I'm just going to have it made. And I'm still waiting for the quote, but I've talked to them a little bit. And it sounds like it's actually going to be pretty affordable. I went and bought the material for it. It's Have you guys ever heard of duck canvas? It's like wax canvas, right? It's this like, it's, it's actually like this really thick, almost like, I don't know, like it looks like it would be burlap or something, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels more smooth. And I don't know if people use it for like outdoor material or what, but it's probably not the world's most comfortable material. Like if you're making a whole sofa, I don't think this would be something good to use, but for a little cushion, the texture of it makes it look a lot higher end. And also it comes in just like really homogenous color. So I wanted like a bright yellow, orangish kind of color for this thing since it's just little accent pieces. So it was nice. I found that and it's like a really nice pop of color. It looks high end and it was actually pretty cheap. Like I probably don't even need a yard of it. I bought two yards just because I was like, I'd rather buy more than less. And it was like six bucks a yard. So, oh wow. Yeah. yeah. That's not bad at all. So I I just bought fake leather and I was really (laughs) surprised at how expensive it was. It was oh, like really? $35 a yard. Oh, wow. Which, you know, if they're trying to get people to quit using animal skin, maybe make the fake stuff a little cheaper, right? But <laughs> <laughs> so this week I'm working on the Eames style outdoor lounge chair that I had found the frame on Craigslist for. Oh, yeah. I talked about that one last last week. I had a few problems. Um, less Less problems, more just like learning and figuring out what the right chain of or order of operations for this project are. So... It's an a classic like Eames style lounge chair, but the company that made it made it out of completely the frame is out of metal like wire. And so it's mm-hmm. for like a patio set essentially. And 
my plan is to one paint the frame white, get it nice and clean, and then where the scoop is for the chair cushions, I'm gonna do a bent plywood seat and then a padded vinyl leather cushion on top of that. And so this week was sort of a week of experiments trying to figure out how I could bend this plywood to get it into the seat bucket properly. And initially I went to Home Depot and I just picked up some 0.10 inch plywood. So that would be just under, you know, an eighth inch. And I tried to make a form that I could just bend it over, but I don't know if it's just because it's way too dry out here in Joshua Tree that it just snapped really easily or if this would have happened if I was somewhere else. But I built this form, tried to bend it. It just didn't work. I tried to wet it a little bit with a cloth and bend it. And that helped a little bit, which made me think that if I were to set it in water for maybe a half hour, let it get really kind of, whatever that word is, saturated, and then tried to bend it, it might have worked a little bit better in my favor. But after the first couple fails, I was just kind of done with it and looking for the next option. I'm not really that good of a process of elimination type guy. Once something doesn't work a couple times, I'm just like, screw it. What else can I do? And so for the project in the planning phases, I thought about kerf cutting the the wood to fit into this bucket, but I just didn't think I would like the look of the kerf cuts. Mentally, I envisioned, okay, so let me back up really quick. Kerf cutting, what that is, is essentially scoring the plywood most of the way through the thickness of it, but leaving about a 16th of an inch so that the veneer doesn't get cut through, essentially. And then because you've taken away all of this material, you basically score it every other eighth inch. You're able to then bend the plywood because you've taken away a lot of that material. And when I pictured it in my head at first, and I was like, nope, I don't want to do that. I envisioned the curve cuts going down the entire length of this board so that you would Mm -hmm. see those lines on the edge profile the entire way. And I just didn't, I just didn't like it. But then the more I looked at it, I realized I only need to do these curve cuts where the bend is actually happening because the majority of this seat recess is mostly flat. And so I did a few test cuts, found the proper depth, and then did one test uh, seat bucket, for lack of better terms. And it looked really, really cool. Um, It almost made me want to figure out a way that I could do it to where I didn't have to put a cushion on top because all of these Mm -hmm. lines that go over the curves actually look really neat. And there was really minimal chip out. um, And so most of these lines are really, really crisp, really clean. And so regardless, I'm going, I have now figured all of that out. I've just got to figure out now how I can upholster these cushions and make everything look nice. So that video will be going up next week. Look forward to that. I've been having stuff on my Instagram stories and I've been posting about it a lot. So if you're not following me at Modern Builds, you should be. Cool. Mike, I got two, well, actually one recommendation and then one question about the chair. So first the recommendation they make they they won't have it at um, Home Depot, but there's Bendy Ply. Have you ever heard of that before? I had I had not I didn't know the name brand of it, but I think I had seen Izzy Swan use it on a project at some point. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I had a bunch of people messaging me about it, okay, so cool. I definitely need to look into it. Yeah. Yeah, like it's pretty readily available, I think, at most lumber yards. I, I got a sheet of it a while ago that I haven't even used yet just because I yeah. was like, oh, I want to experiment with this. And it's like super bendable, so it would easily just go right into those those curves. The question, how does it, how does it keep its shape? So uh, by laminating to, multiple layers, that's what yeah, gives it its rigidity? If you just did two of them, it would, it would do it just because that glue in there would hold its shape. Awesome. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, 
so that chair, like when it was brand new, did it have cushions in it or what would you, you wouldn't sit on the metal, would you? No, I assumed it probably had just like florally, just little chair cushions in it it or something. Honestly, I should have Googled it and found out, but really I have no idea. Yeah. Cause it was, I mean, I was thinking like, do you sit in the metal? That seems like it'd be uncomfortable, especially if it was outside. It's like yeah, burning it's, hot it's, <laughs> razors. Yeah. It definitely needs a cushion. So I assume it had some, but you know, I'm sure the seat cushion was just like a normal old seat cushion. But now that I think about it, I wonder how they made those back cushions. I guess it could have been kind maybe of a traditional. Around, since right. I'm thinking yeah, it had just, some maybe Velcro strap on the back or something like that. Yeah. But I don't know. I'll Google it. I'll post a picture of what they looked like originally on the podcast account. Nice. There we go. But yeah, so aside from that, this week I had my second bed video up in the past month or so, and it's gotten good feedback overall. Um, The first one, as you know, was built completely out of three-quarter inch plywood, a lot of pocket holes, but a really simple build, Um, and it had the kind of integrated nightstands, which made it look really neat. Mm -hmm. Um, Funny story, I built that thinking the mattress in my room was a queen size, and it was actually a full-size bed. So I built this entire bed, went to go get the mattress for staging. And like in that moment, I realized there was just like this correlation where the mattress just was like, it seemed smaller than the frame. And I was just sitting there. I was like, what, what? And then I grabbed the mattress and put it on there. Exactly. <laughs> and so then I grabbed the mattress, put it on the put it on the platform and realized I built a bed for the wrong size mattress. So, <laughs> so I got some points though with the neighbor because I sent him a text after I realized that and I was like, hey, I just built a bed and uh, don't need it. If anyone in the house, oh, I should say our neighbors next door are a bunch of Marines. And so mm-hmm. it's just like three dudes and I, and I just like assumed none of them had a proper bed. So I messaged them. I was like, yo, if any of y'all need a queen size bed, let me know because I've got one. And it ended up being perfect timing because the day before, my neighbor had actually bought a a new bed or a new mattress, not a new bed. And so Mm -hmm. it worked out great. I did him a good favor. Now, you know, if we're making noise late, he can't complain about it. So it's all good. Yeah, exactly. He owes me one. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, I just thought that was so funny. It was like I built a bed, went to get the mattress, and it was just like this like stomach drop moment where I'm like... I just built it, like, because all I did was Google queen size mattress standard dimensions. I didn't even take the time to measure the actual mattress. But anyways, after that horrible failure, I built a full-size bed, um, which it's the for, it's the first full-size bed on my channel, so it's good to kind of have that content. Um, everything is built mostly out of one by fours. That's what the platform is built out of. And then the base is built completely out of two by twos. So everything is simple material wise and tool wise. Um, You don't even have to cut anything to width. Um, Everything is just cutting boards to length and then screwing and gluing them together. So good entry level project. I think the most complicated or most expensive tool I used was was a miter saw. Um, Oh, there we go. If we're talking about titles and comments, I've got a little something to complain about too. So I titled this video something along the lines of how to build a modern bed with limited tools or DIY modern bed limited tools, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And it's always a trigger, man. It's a trigger word because I used a miter saw. How could this be limited tools if I used a miter saw? Exactly. Not only that, but I used the like Ryobi 18 volt miter saw that can only cut like six inch boards at its maximum. And it's like a hundred bucks. What am I, Um, Bill Gates? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I kindly responded to a couple of those comments saying, you also saw me cut boards with a circular saw and and, uh, speed square. You could easily do that for all of the boards. But after like 10 people commenting that, I was just like, I I don't know. I I just got to the point where I'm just like, screw it. I'm done with the comments for this video forever. Um, (laughs) Forever. So I stopped myself because I, I see Ben more and more trying to get like savage in the comments. And as much as I love seeing him do that, or as much as I love seeing him do that, I feel like if I start doing that, that's the, that's a rabbit hole that I I just don't want to go down. So, if if I don't have anything nice to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna say nothing at all for as long you as I can. Become a crotchety old man. Well, I yeah. I, adopt, I adopt the same. I adopt mostly the same philosophy. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything unless you have something funny and mean to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Because then at that point you are adding funny, value. Then it's okay. Because the oh, okay. right, like the funny offsets the meanness, and it's normally directed at somebody that started it, so it's okay. And wouldn't yeah, you guys say I was point. I was talking to one of my friends about this that, in a way, it's different if somebody comes out of the blue and says something rude, and then you respond with something rude. I think responding with something rude is less bad than coming out of the blue with something rude because you're you weren't like ready for it. So it'd be like, you know, if you were walking around a corner and somebody jumped at you and just instinctively punched at it, it's not like you had malicious intent walking around that corner. You're just like responding immediately to something. And I know it's not as immediate that, as that, but it is that kind of like, you know, you you feel like your blood boil a little bit and you might just like, ah, I'm typing this it's out. It's just commenting in self-defense. That's right. Well, <laughs> for, for me, it's- No it's, court it's, would convict you. I'm I'm the the ones I do respond to uh, are the ones that I don't I don't mind again and I think I've, I've stated this before I don't mind a someone saying you know what really don't like the way that looks or you should have done this versus this I think it would have looked better mm-hmm. when a, a, a subjective opinion is offered as such I'm totally okay with that uh, even if it's like really mean that's that's totally cool what I don't like is when people assert uh, as if they're telling some sort of objective truth, like saying that concrete is going to break the minute you put you know, any weight on it and they're wrong, right? So, mm-hmm. Because that's right. actually disinformation that's doing a disservice to people that might otherwise attempt or to take on some sort of project, but now they have this uh, false belief because this guy asserted, for some reason it usually ends up being a dude, uh, asserts that he is absolutely sure of this thing that right. is totally not so. So, uh, and then the other thing is, it's my channel, so <laughs> I get to, I get to or- orchestrate this cir- this uh, circus the way I want to. Um, but where I don't sort of weigh in on those things is so. The other day, uh, Chris texted me. He's like, uh, actually, it's funny. The minute you cre- uh, texted me, Chris, like two other people texted me and like, dude, you're on the front page of Reddit. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And it was the spiral staircase uh, video. Oh, actually, it wasn't a video. It was a GIF that somebody made of my video. Because hey, you know why credit people uh, when you can just post your own GIF? Uh, Get a bunch of karma. Right. And uh, so it made it to uh, the the front page, and just a boatload of dumb, actually not even dumb, just wrong comments about that must have cost thousands and thousands of dollars of plywood uh oh that's great if you have a ten thousand dollar cnc machine and mm-hmm. i was like i sort of browsed to it and yeah i i was still happy to to get the the you know i'm always happy that 
to share sort of design ideas, even if I'm not being linked to or anything like that. That's fine. I'm still, I still like putting out the idea. For me, it's still a net win just saying, hey, there's these little machines out there that aren't that big, and you can make really big, cool things with them. To me, that's, that's still a win. But the part that was so annoying was just people sort of saying, like, $10,000 CNC machine. No, that's a $1,300 CNC machine. And no, that wasn't uh, thousands and thousands of dollars of plywood. It was like $800 of plywood. Because what they're doing is they're actually, one, they don't know what they're talking about, and two, they didn't do the math. But they're just loudly proclaiming something in a voice that makes it seem like they're certain. And when they mm-hmm. really have not even no idea, but not, they don't even have an idea that's, that's close within a factor of like five. <laughs> um, and so again, it's totally cool not to know what something is or be horrible at estimating, but maybe don't like uh, state it in a voice that sort of implies that you're certain. Right. You know what else? I don't know why this makes me kind of mad about when you read comments like that. It, it shouldn't. But when I read something where somebody's making an excuse for why they can't do it or why somebody else shouldn't, just because like there might be somebody that does get deterred because of that. Like one of the ones that somebody was, I think it was on Reddit also, somebody was saying about me that like, oh yeah, I could do that. Or no, they were saying it's not fair for me to post in DIY, the subreddit or DIY, because this is my full-time job and yada, yada, yada. But I was like, no, I have a full-time job and I do this in my extra time. And I also have a family and kids. You know, I don't have any more time in the day than anybody else. So, I just happen to be doing it successfully. Yeah, well, ju- and I happen to be, you know, when I get home from work in the evening, I do more work. On the weekends, I do work. On holidays, I usually do work. Like, right. I can't think of a day this year that I haven't at least done a little bit of work. I mean, there's not every day that I'm, you know, busting out 12 hours of work or anything like that. There are plus, days, there are weekends where I only might work three hours, but I'm still doing something pretty much every day. Plus, you save all that time by not having to cook since you live on nothing but Pop-Tarts. That's right. <laughs> all you need is a toaster. I don't even have a kitchen, just a toaster. Yeah. So what did so, you say to him? Did you like, did, did you uh, fire back like savagely no. said, or did you? I said, bro, Pop-Tarts. <laughs> uh, I, I did. Like Reddit's not my thing. And so, yeah, fuck Reddit. I don't care. Like, they did can, you, they did can you have... comment get upvoted at all? Uh, I just, for some of the people, I, I wasn't trying... To me, if your approach to the internet is to try to correct stupidity, you're going to be in for a frustrating light. But what I did try to do was to look for some of the people that had sort of serious questions that were kind of on the right track. You could tell they were sort of intrigued by the mm-hmm. things. And sort of saying like, well, actually, how much does one of those machines, or what kind of machine it was? So I sort of said, oh, it's the X car by Inventables. Um, it costs about this much. There's uh, some people going like, oh, uh, you know, did you consider, you know, just using an off-the-shelf sh- uh, one? And I said, yeah, you can, you can get them for like a few thousand dollars for like an aluminum one or a steel one. And mm-hmm. people that were actually, you know, contemplating getting a spiral staircase for the home prob- that probably wouldn't build one. So I tried to answer some questions for the people that were kind of had serious and productive inquiries. But no, let, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm totally okay with letting stupid stay stupid. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I was thankful for Mike uh, from Industrial Maker on our collaboration because 
on the portable fire pit that we built, it has a concrete tabletop that is only three quarters of an inch thick, and we use glass fiber reinforced concrete. Um, that's something that totally wouldn't be able to be built out of standard concrete. Um, but I had a lot of people in the comments saying, like, oh, cool project. It's going to be really cool when it's snapped in half when you try and move it or all these sorts of things. But Mike was nice enough to, like, patrol the comments for a couple of days and answer a lot of the a lot of the people that did have kind of legit questions. He answered and he kind of explained what GFRC was and kind of, you know, the basics about it. But then for the lack of ter- lack of better terms, like the assholes that just wanted to be a dick. Um, he also kind of like, <laughs> he like stood that in for fun. me a little bit too. He was just like, screw you. It does work. And there's X number of videos on my channel too, that I've done the same thing and nothing has broken on. So I'm gonna give another shout out to Mike from industrial maker for keeping the, keeping the comment section under control on that video as well. He's a good yeah, guy. Shout out to Mike. Yeah, for real. Anybody have any obsessions this week? It's about that time. I got one. So Ooh. I'm not officially obsessed with this yet because I haven't used it yet. But uh, <laughs> I got a new table saw that I'm going to put together this weekend. So I saw, saw that, dude. Yeah, I've, I've posted it on Instagram. And I'll probably once it's done, I'll make like an Instagram stories uh, highlights or whatever they're called. You know, those stories that stay there forever. And I'll, I'll post a few videos in that where I'll go over my whole experience with it. But I got a saw stop. Um, it's something I'd been thinking about getting for a while. You know, everybody I've talked to who has one, they swear by them. They're, you know, they're good saws in addition to the the safety net that they have built into them. So I'm both looking forward to and dreading building it this weekend just because building a table saw is a lot of heavy parts and a lot of lifting stuff and having two of them to like move around in the garage it will be a fun Saturday, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to get it all set up and get it calibrated and start using it and, and seeing what it's like and hopefully never testing out the safety feature. Nice. So what's the plan with the old saw? Are you selling it or are you yeah, throwing it in the dumpster? Or? I'm going to sell it. And I think I've already got a buyer for it. Our boy, Ben from Wobie Designs, not, oh, not yeah. Ben that we're talking to right now. Um, he's actually going to come on Saturday and help me out with setting it up and then I'm going to sell him the old one. Although I, I'm not sure how we're going to get it to his house yet. Cause you need a good sized truck for it. Unless he's got a truck. I don't know about. Yeah, that's true. Not, not, not CRV very material. <laughs> yeah. Moving table saws can't be very fun, but no, they're heavy. Yeah. It's funny actually the, so the box is in my garage right now and I was like, Oh, maybe while I'm, cause I'm in the middle of a project. And so I'm like, well, maybe I can just like, kind of drag it behind my my existing table saw right now so it's not like in every single shot that I do that's a wide shot so I moved all of the pieces that are in the smaller boxes and now all that I have left is the bit the main box on a crate and I go to push it and I'm just like sliding like this thing probably weighs 450 pounds or something and it just does not budge so I was like well maybe I can pull it and like if I grab it and just like put all my momentum into it I can get it to slide at like two inches a time so I was just like, all right, I'm just going to put it like in the middle of the garage and cover it with a blanket and kind of use it as like a table. I threw a piece of plywood on top of it. And so I've just like use it as a table for the extra pieces that I'm working on and assembling stuff and actually yeah. having it. I'm like, dude, I should have a table like this on casters in the center of my garage. It's awesome. Like yeah. I've been loving having that extra space right there. Any horizontal space turns into a table like immediately in yeah, the shop. Sure. It's funny. 
All right, so this week, I'm shouting out Sons of Sawdust. Um, I've been following them for a long time. They were kind of really big on making the kind of reclaimed farmhouse-style furniture, like, mm-hmm. cool a few years ago, like, whenever that whole scene was really popping off. Um, they were, like, the ones that were making things that were rustic still look nice. And I think the table that they're working on right now is that same thing, sort of like the evolution of reclaimed furniture and still keeping things uh like modern and trendy compared to you know just doing the same thing forever and then letting that die out and becoming you know obsolete they're changing things up and making a extremely cool dining table um mixing reclaimed wood with uh square steel tubing so the table is in progress right now if you go to their instagram at sons of sawdust you'll see it it might be done by then it might not um but the basic construction of it is it's a trestle style table. Um, each of the legs is assemblies is basically an X and that X is built out of, it looks like three inch tube steel, but the bottom third of the legs, there's a metal to wood transition, somewhat similar to the like aluminum based dining table I did. Yeah. As um, say, not- it's like, it's like that table that you did in my Xbox shelf, had a baby. Exactly. Yeah. That's a really good, <laughs> that's a good marrying of two ideas. Um, and then the, the support, the like trestle between the two leg bases is just this really thick reclaimed, looks like Douglas fir beam. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I just think it's, I think a lot of reclaimed furniture kind of gets described as like clunky oftentimes, um, yeah. which was a look that a lot of people really wanted. And I think that's st- starting to die out a little bit. So it's really cool seeing the same, you know, rough reclaimed materials, but in a lighter, uh, I don't know, I, I say more modern, but that's just because that's the word that comes to mind, but just a lighter, more modern kind of fresh look. I think it's really cool. So for me, I have a few. The first one is a little bit off topic, but it caught my eye. And I was like, you know, I can't remember what I was looking at, but I saw this story in like a suggested articles thing. And it was about uh, award-winning filmmaker dies after being headbutted by a giraffe. giraffe? Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so, we that's laugh, a headline. But... Yeah. Well, it turns out, you know, the guy was warned by the sort of, you know, the the, the person that giraffe? hit oh. by the giraffe, the giraffe <laughs> wrangler that was introducing him to the giraffes. Um, he was sort of warned that, like, look, these the way these animals fight is by headbutting each other and whipping each other with their long-ass necks. So, you know, right. stay away from them. Uh, and don't get up on a ladder uh, near them. But anyway, <laughs> don't get head height. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. this, you know, if, if, I mean, I guess a giraffe's neck is probably like 12 feet. And so imagine that much sort of leverage and torque with a head that probably weighs like 60 pounds. Just, yeah, it's just like a huge muscle with like an anvil on the end of it, basically. Right. So uh, I read that story Um Felt bad because, you know, somebody died. But then also it's like, well, you know, don't be don't be dumb around wild animals. Um, and uh, then I that got me into a whole other sort of wormhole of reading about other sort of peculiar animal deaths, uh, including someone that, that actually smothered in uh, elephant, got smothered in elephant dung, um, which sounds like probably the worst way to go uh, ever. But on a making note... Uh, I've been experimenting with some new inlay techniques that involve sort of, you know, cutting grooves into wood and then actually using like grout that you would use for like kitchen tile to infill it. And I've been using this grout called Fusion Pro, 
which is it's like bright white. So it looks like white concrete, but it's super strong and it's stain resistant. So mm. uh, me and me and Mike screwed around with like a test piece and uh, I just cut some grooves in a piece of oak with a circular saw and just, you know, so about eighth inch wide kerf and then spackled in the, the grout and it looks fantastic and it feels like sort of like concrete embedded right into the wood. So yeah. I was thinking like, uh, you know, what, what are the what are the patterns and kind of design things that I want to do with this? And my brother, you know, who, who's, who's probably the, the crunchiest member of the family. <laughs> uh, it's like says, Oh, you know, uh, you should check out like sacred geometry. And I'm like, well, no. Uh, or right, <laughs> right, right after I do a DIY dream catcher, um, which uh, yeah. <laughs> not, not going to happen, but, uh, all it really, so it's like, I, I, I plugged it into Pinterest and search, and yes, there's a lot of like, kind of like... Psychedelic, man. Psychedelical, mystical crap. But it's really just a lot of complex geometry and kind of fractal stuff that actually is pretty cool looking when you, you know, strip away the sort of uh, bullshit mysticism part. Um, and yeah, it's always amazing to me that people are so amazed when like, did you know that like nature's just math? Well... Yeah. <laughs> uh, ever since they said, like, you know, one cell divides into two, like, yeah, I kind of kind of got that. Um, but anyway, so I uh, went down another sort of Pinterest uh, wormhole of sort of uh, searching at different sort of uh, geometries and patterns uh, to sort of get ideas for these inlays. And uh, I'm pretty excited and had a lot of good sort of visually stimulating uh, trips. You know... If we could uh, back up for one second, Ben, I think a lot of people probably blame you for uh, putting Toys R Us out of business. And we all, we all know Jeffrey the Giraffe is their spokesman. <laughs> yes. You better watch your back, buddy. You may have a swift headbutt coming your way. Yeah, the evidence is mounting against you here. <laughs> well, someone's still... going to be able to make an ancient aliens episode conspiracy theory about this. <laughs> I'm I'm very happy with the Toys R Us partnership. Uh, we got the two, got a lot of good Instagram content. Uh, we got the kinetic sand videos out of it, which did really well. Mike got a hoverboard um, that that I haven't <laughs> seriously hurt myself on yet. Yes, some other people haven't been so lucky. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, Oh, Mike, I sent you a video of, uh, from Instagram uh, of someone actually using the hoverboard for like kind of like as like a dolly for like handheld oh, yeah. tracking shots and stuff. So I, th- I think we're going to have to try that out as well. Beautiful. See, I told you I wasn't crazy whenever I was ri- riding around with the hoverboard and like the camera in my hands. I just hadn't thought through it far enough. Exactly. There you go. Awesome. So thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're not already, follow us on Instagram. We are at Four Eyes Furniture at Benjamin Ueda, and at Modern Builds. All the links that we talked about are in the podcast description, as well as the wrap-up episode for the hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge. So make sure, go find that post, and then go follow everyone that we're talking about. That way, I don't know, that way we can send them followers and show them some love. Um, if you haven't already, we would love a review on the iTunes podcast app. Five stars is amazing. That just lets the podcast app know that we are a good show, and that they should suggest it to other listeners. So thank you guys for listening, and until next time, this has been the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye.